Welcome to the family tr- No, hang on. Wait, I've got it wrong again. Welcome to Getting Better Acquainted. My name's Dave and I'm your host. In today's Getting Better Acquainted Extra, my guest is my partner, Jen, who is my co-producer and co-creator on the Family Tree podcast. After both season one and season two, I released an episode of Getting Better Acquainted where I sat down with Jen and we talked about the process of making the show. Even though Getting Better Acquainted is currently on hiatus, we thought we'd do the same for season three. And that's what you're going to hear today. So expect spoilers for all three seasons of The Family Tree. But also, if you haven't heard the show and you want to listen to the conversation anyway, I'll set up what the show is at the beginning of this conversation. And so once again, me and Jen, my co-producer and partner, have gathered together to talk about the family tree. This time about the process of making season three of the Magical Realist podcast drama or dramatic fiction uh, that deals with identity, change, belief, belonging, all sorts of things, really. Uh, And this time, because we're talking about the third season, we're not just talking about the third season, we're talking about the entire show, and we can do so in a way that we don't have to worry about spoilers, which our second conversation about The Family Tree, when we were talking about season two, was rather hamstrung by the fact that we, we didn't, couldn't talk about it as easily because we knew what was happening in the whole of the third season, but we could only acknowledge what happened in season two. Anyway, hello, Jen. Hi. (laughs) Yeah, it seems a lot easier this time. It's a long intro from me, which is a little bit like the family trip. I thought you were going to say that was unusual. (laughs) (laughs) No, indeed it's not unusual. And in fact... um, some, some part of your job in season three has sometimes been cutting uh, down, cutting down <laughs> the length of the <laughs> narrations that I am inclined to do. Although surprisingly to me, there is like a, a one episode has like a half hour to forty five minute uh, outro narration, which basically stayed as written uh, in the edit. Yeah, that was surprising to me too, but it. It wasn't. The thing is, when I'm cutting down your intros and narrations, normally it's because you said the same thing four times or in a really long way. But that was not the case. Yeah, it's been an interesting one um, in loads of different ways. I've listened to the first two conversations that we had, uh, and I've made a load of notes about things that I think we should cover um, based on the things that we talked about in those episodes, uh, but also on the things I I think are worth talking about in this series. So I'm going to be kind of leading the way on this, uh, partly because I've had, I've got a bit more time in my life than Jen does, which is different from uh, the previous seasons that we've made. And so I've had a bit more time to think about things, uh, whereas Jen is kind of just coming in without having thought about this at all. <laughs> no, I haven't at all. <laughs> we've kind of prepped a bit because we've been recording uh, some stuff for the Christmas special of the family tree, which will be coming out. Actually, that is one thing we can't talk about. 
Indeed, I was going to say that's yeah. the one thing we can't talk about because of spoilers. Well, we can talk about it a bit, kind of teasing it, but we can't talk about the actual uh, content of it. But I think we'll be all right. Um, so first of all, the family tree is all about change. A big thing that happened between or during, I mean, it's hard, to, like many things with the family tree, it's hard to actually say where it began and where it started. But between season one and season two, there have been, or during season one and season two, it's hard to say, there have been big changes in our lives, right? Yeah, massive. Um, I got hung up on when it happened then. Uh, but yeah, I guess between big, between... The thing is, the big changes in our lives happened after we recorded everything, but before season three went out. Right, so we recorded all of the actors' performances, mm, mm, nearly all of the actors' performances, while we were still making season two. We were still making it and putting it out. So during the end of our process of doing season two, we were also, at the same time, doing our process for season three, and we were doing all of that knowing the change was coming. So the change had started. We had already looked. So the big, the biggest change is we moved house. And we moved house between London and Lancaster. And when we were doing the second half of season two, we were looking for places to live. Like we didn't know we were going to be in Lancaster. And then when we were recording the the stuff for season three, we did know where we were going. And it was in fact organised completely around our moving dates. Or maybe even you could say our moving dates were organised completely both, around the family it? tree. It's hard to say. It is a bit of both, definitely. Uh, well, yeah, no, actually, that, that definitely is true because we were packed up and ready to go after, uh, more or less after school term finished. Um, but we stayed longer. <laughs> and we actually had the house here for longer than we were able to live in it because we needed to finish. We were recording right up until we moved, pretty much. Right, and we actually recorded the uh, the last conversation that we had about it, kind of uh, dur- like when we when we the first conversation that we had, we were sat at our dining room table drinking hot chocolate in the winter, uh, having just kind of finished putting out the family tree, and we're now for our third one, we're sat at our dining room table again in the winter, drinking hot chocolate again. The, the table's the same, but the house is different. We live, we're living in a different part of the world. Um, our second one that we recorded was in the summer, and we found that hard, as previously mentioned, and we ended up going out for a walk to try and talk it out while we walked, which is how we've made a lot of the family tree, in terms of the stage where we were coming up with ideas and batting things around. And then we got caught in a hailstorm and took shelter in a place where we recorded scenes for the third season. Yeah. And we would, we talk about how we're in a place that is within the world of the family tree, but we couldn't talk about it too much because it was where Nathan and Nigel have their kind of reuniting scene, their reunion scene um, in the third season. So we, we were... It was hard to talk about the show because we were really mixed up in terms of what was happening where, just in so many ways in our lives. Um, we left London for lots of reasons. What reasons would you say? Uh, money. Yeah. Um, That's a big part. London. We, we can rent a house in Lancaster for less money than we would have been looking at to rent a flat 
in London. Also, just London. I think we were, we were just done with London, weren't we? We needed something quieter. We were done with London, the sound. I mean, it wasn't good for me as time went on. Being, not having very much money, being a freelancer, struggling as a freelancer with London around you is a very different thing from being in London with a day job like I used to be or being in London when things are working out or you've got a nice home like we used to have at one point. Um, London is very noisy, very big, kind of soul-destroying in some ways. And we lived in London for 14 years and we saw London change as well, the, the London that we, we, that we fell in love with. And we still do love uh significantly changed in many many ways over those 14 years uh the demographics of the city are changing the price to live in london is becoming so much that it it's driving out all sorts of people in the arts i know who have moved out or are moving out of uh, of london for whatever reason but also the people who live in London who aren't in the arts, who are just trying to live and maybe have lived there for generations. Or uh, uh, a lot of people in service jobs, nursing and teaching, and a lot of a lot of really crucial professions are moving out. Yeah, and the thing about London is, from the family tree's point of view, it was essential in some ways to be in London because that's where all our actors are, uh, whether they even live in London or not. And sometimes, like for example. Uh, one of the performers in the family tree, Nicole, uh, who plays Clara, she had moved back to Australia um, like a week after she recorded the scenes with us. Like uh, if we'd have waited any longer, we couldn't have had her in the show. Um, so London is a, a place where everybody comes to, even if they're going to move away again, it's, it's the place you can catch them, uh, even if they live elsewhere or whatever. So we had to record people in London. Uh, so we ended up doing that, yeah, while we were making season two. And that meant lots of different things. Uh, for the first time, we recorded uh, with the actors mostly knowing what was happening to them. There were a few things we could keep back, but for reasons of the plot, because the way that the plot worked, people just needed to know yeah. more. Uh, you can't have someone change into someone else without them expecting to change into someone else. That's that's part of what informs their performance. But also, just from a practical point of view, we wanted to have more appearances of people, didn't we? So because of that, we needed to record multiple performances on the same day, yeah, and we had to record people out of sync and stuff like that. So It was a bit confusing at times. I remember having to have quite a lot of conversations of kind of, OK, hang on. This is now before this thing's happened, so... And it was much earlier on in the process as well, so because of that, we tried to keep the recordings, like, mostly out of time. Some of them had some time. Like, we knew that Jackie and Clara's scenes happened just after New Year. Um, there were a few things we knew, kind of the rough ballpark of the year that it would happen in. That made it much easier when we were putting it together afterwards because it was less. There was much less pressure on when things had to go out. Right. Um, the Galleons Hill scene kind of had to happen around a similar time because it was recorded outside and kind mm. of had to fit in with that. But most of it, we didn't. 
we didn't have it chronologically decided. We actually moved around the scenes a little bit um, as we were making the show. We've had more freedom to do that mm. than, than ever before. Before, we've been tied to the times. In fact, I mean, for the first season, and maybe even season two, we had a fake calendar. We had a fake diary. Yeah, we oh had God, that was a time was all set. Keep on top of that. And we had to like keep like when the real rec- when the recordings happened, when the events happened. There's there's been a much more freedom for this season, which was um, made it easier in some ways. I think it absolutely made it easier from my point of view. Right, right. Well, yeah, you you weren't like keeping a million different. I was just keeping the story. I wasn't keeping logistical dates, which which was a lot easier. And we've come back to Lancaster, which has had some effect on the plot. Mostly, when I say plot, I, it, it's had more of an effect in some ways on the cuttings in that uh, some of the guests that we got were more northern-based. Uh, Although a lot was done, uh, a lot of them weren't actually. We got some people from up here that we wouldn't have got had we not been in Lancaster. But on the other hand, we did a lot over Skype. Right, and in fact, one of the characters, Jackie Hagen, who plays herself, uh, which was an exciting uh, thing to do, to do uh, she lives in Manchester anyway and actually was just down for the day in London when we recorded. So some of the things that, that may sound like they're as a result of us loop, moving to Lancaster aren't, aren't quite mm. that. And as you say, like some of the guests, even if they are kind of northern, I think Al Cummings... Uh, is northern, but he was recording in LA or San Francisco I think, I think or somewhere the two in America. Guests we wouldn't have found and wouldn't have had if we hadn't moved here are um, Robert Poole talking about the witches and uh, Chakravarti Ramprasad talking about um, the religious, yeah, the, and philosophical, yeah, the uh, various different in Indian spiritual belief systems. But then the interesting thing is about him is he was a contact that. that was given to me by someone who I met in London who doesn't live up north, but uh, he knew of him. And I think the fact that we were in Lancaster made the belt, you know, connected the dots for him to suggest mm. uh, Chakravarti. And it meant because we lived in Lancaster, we could go and meet mm. with Chakravarti and, and kind of pers- persuade him over a couple of meetings to do the show, which we couldn't really do for a lot of of people we potentially wanted to get no. uh, for this season. But I think also the the episode with the witches, you know, I, I took my niece on a tour of Lancaster Castle and that became quite a big part of that episode, mm. uh, Lancaster Castle in general. Uh, and the witches in general, the decision to, to do the witches mm. was based to partly on being back in Lancaster where the Pendle Witch Trials happened. Yeah. Yeah, in our new circumstance like our new life uh, circumstances, uh, freelance has been going much better for me than it has in the past. So I've mentally been, you know, my mental health has been much better during the creation of this season. Uh, that's partly due to having um, enough jobs to pay my bills. It's partly having smaller bills to pay. And it's partly being out of London and being in the countryside more and in L- Lancaster and having all of that. Whereas for you, life is very different in a different way. You've gone freelance, but you're at the beginning of being mm. freelance. And so you've been much busier, had much less time, mental space to dev- devote to the family tree. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's been good in that 
I've been able to work on it at times that I wouldn't have been able to in the past. But it's been like finding the time to to work on something unpaid has been hard to justify at times. Right, right. And so it's it's actually it's 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 almost sort of in a way. Yeah, I've been more responsible for maybe the the running order or whatever of the show of like making it all fit together than you have in this yeah in this season really, for that reason most of my work this season not this season since we've been in Lancaster most of my work has been administrative <laughs> yeah that's been kind of an annoying thing that you've been mostly dealing with the administration rather than the creative part of the show since we finished recording the performers uh, you had a few extra bits. We recorded uh, the, t- the scene between me and Tony in the tree. We recorded that in Lancaster. Uh, so you were directing that and you, you had that moment. That was a lot of fun to do, to have an opportunity to do that again. Um, even though everything else had been recorded, it was nice to have like one little treasure left to record. Right. And then also there's you wrote the Christmas special, which uh, will be coming out in the future, so we can't talk about that too much. But it's kind of been nice to be able to go back to a bit of creative yeah, stuff Yeah, it was for great. You. I really enjoyed going back to do the Christmas, uh, the Christmas episode and having a creative... Because it kind of felt, when, you, when it's all admin left and all the exciting stuff's been done, it's sort of a downer to end, end it on. So it's nice to kind of finish on a, a creative high. Yeah, exactly. Something that felt really creative. Mm. Because, I mean, I think there has been creative parts in the admin process. Um, which I guess, let's let's go through the actual process of making uh, season three, which has been different to both the other seasons. So we recorded all of the audio, most of it in London before we left. And we sat on that. We had all of that on my computer. We moved house, where we focused mostly on moving house uh and then when when the dust had settled uh we start i started i i uh made a, a policy of having uh tuesdays devoted to the family tree and building my work my the rest of my work around that um although with the cuttings it generally ended up being more than just one day's work uh, but anyway before before we started editing we we went i i went through all of the audio in a couple of days to put it together basically some some of the scenes involved editing together different bits of audio because when people you know when the changes happened uh people like stuff got edited out to make those changes sound natural and and like we didn't go stop and then all of the like, okay, you go stand there, you go stand there. All of that stuff got edited out. I did some edits for content as well here and there. Put those together as what we called uh, initial edits without any narration, without anything like that. Then I also put that in an order, a basic order with most of the sort of names of the episodes at least put there in a at least in a kind of provisional name that we've then renamed later but kind of a sense of what the episodes were then you listened to all of those in order and wrote notes yeah I had had a, an operation 
and wasn't uh, allowed really to do anything very much. So I just spent a long time sitting on the sofa with a clipboard, <laughs> writing it, writing uh, notes. Yeah, and those notes were a mixture of you were going through the book that you had written during the recordings, the what we think of as the canon of the show, where you've recorded what you recorded the extra stuff that you wanted to feed back into different places, but also any mistakes or or changes that you thought needed to be made then. So you were feeding that book stuff into what you were writing. And you were also giving me bullet points for intros and outros. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I would sort of write um, roughly what I imagined you might say, but knowing that you would, it wouldn't be a script, it would be a springboard. Right, and then when I went to record the narrations, normally that process would be like, I would think about the episode before and after and think about where my character was at emotionally and add some of that stuff into uh, the notes that Jen had given me. And then I would press record and put myself in the situation that the character is in. And often the narrations would go in all sorts of different directions uh, than I was expecting. Because the character of me, when I'm actually in character, would feel differently about things than I'd expect or Jenna would have expected. Just because it's... I mean, that's the process that the performers go through as well. Um, So that was a big part of it. Sometimes I was doing some research around the notes as well, like I did some some research around uh, restorative justice and I did some research around various different things uh, that sometimes went into the into the into the notes and I did some kind of crowdsourcing didn't I for mm. for some of the narrations for the cuttings I got kind of people's views on things to try and expand the cuttings the cuttings were definitely the biggest part of my job mm. like that was a lot a lot of work and we sort of talk about the cuttings maybe a bit separately in a bit um but yeah I would then take the initial edit and your notes record some narrations put it all together, give it to you, and then you would do listening walks mm. of the first draft episode of the episode, um, and then you would give me notes and I would make edits based on your listening walks. And I didn't do listening walks this time. Uh, in past have times, we, we both had listened. I think we, we have, mm. but, but go over it just in case. Well, I mean, it just does what it says on the tin. It's just walking and listening, I find to be a helpful way of doing it because it sets well partly it puts you in the world so it you can tell whether you can hear the content clearly in right the you're listening through iphone headphones in a noisy world yeah. so you can tell if it's loud enough or as as is often the note then if the music's too loud yeah that, that was a common note well it was in the beginning it stopped me um and the other thing is that it's i just find it quite helpful partly for creative thinking and partly for um, kind of remembering where in an episode things are if I'm in motion at the time and, you know, I can think, oh, right, I was on the canal then, so that's about a third of the way through. Yeah, no, time and space get kind of yeah. linked together in a useful way. Yeah. It's a bit like how you used to, when you revi- revise for things as a teenager, you used to revise, like, under tables or in weird places so that your mind would remember yeah, where you were as well. Um, but I didn't do any of the listening walks this time round uh, because I'd already been over the uh, episodes more times 
the the material more times than than I would have done in the past because I was doing the initial edits as well as well. I think also we I think we learned from previous listening walks that it's possible to overdo it, and sometimes like you, I think you especially found this with the earlier ones that you would just get a bit kind of sometimes a bit wrapped up in a, like a, a really small detail that we didn't really need to change, but. You yeah, know, or, overdo it. or things like sound quality of like, I'd be like, I want it to be perfect, but it's not perfect. And then I would just get stuck in a loop like, oh, like, it's not perfect. And that would mean that I would not appreciate maybe some of the things about it that were good, regardless of its imperfections. And in fact, the family tree is supposed to be a story told, you know, in an imperfect way in some ways. That's part of the, the you know, the... I don't know, the message of the show in some ways. Um, so it's silly for me to get hung up on those things, but but very easy to do. And in fact, it's been interesting for me because in the past, certainly in season one, I hated editing. I, I really hated the process of it. I mean, I still do a lot of editing for a lot of projects and I can't say I always enjoy it. Uh, we're recording this after a week. I've really not been enjoying the process of editing a thing. Um, but I would say that with this new space in my life um, and with this last season of The Family Tree, I've really been rediscovering what I love about editing mm. and, and really enjoying the process a lot more. Um, and you haven't been doing any editing since season one because um, you hated the editing process so and much. And I wasn't good at it. It was taking me like a really long time to... Because I, I learnt it for the purpose of doing this. Well, yeah. We say learn. I, you were as I good as anybody at that level. Yeah, but it's slow, just, really no. slow I was learning. And so it wasn't an efficient use of time and it also was really soul-destroying. And also by this stage in the family tree, the my setup in general is better. Like I have better mics, although we don't always use them on the show for reasons of realism. And in fact, now I'm using my old mic that I always use for the getting better acquainted and that we used for a lot of the family tree. But I've got better mics. Um, I've got a better recording uh, set up and I've got a better software. Like I use Reaper now, which is better. Um, I have, we used for this season, we used a program called Euphonic, which does a lot of processing stuff, uh, which I was previously spending hours trying to get right in previous seasons and, and never getting it quite as good as Euphonic does. Um, so it's been an easier process. I, I like the character of me have learnt more about how to make good recordings, how to make good edits uh, during the process of doing the family tree, even though I'd started with quite a good base of knowledge. Um, the process of making the family tree, have, I've, I've improved and the tools I've been using have improved, uh, which has made it a lot more fun, uh, which is good. It's nice that the last season we both got in different at different times to kind of reconnect with what we loved about making the mm. show and in, enjoy it. Mm. I don't know if you had this you might have this to cover in some other segment there on that list but one of the things that would have affected the sound and the editing on a couple of the episodes is that for the first time we recorded in a studio with professional equipment and people yeah we did I mean in season three the character of me is trying to up the game on the sound and uh, that's handy because it meant we could up the game and the sound yeah yeah um, and yeah, we, we did 
we did record in studio environments uh, for the first time during this season, as well as still recording in kind of guerrilla sort of mm. environments with all the good and the bad that comes with being out in the real world and having the restrictions of the sounds of the real world as well as the delights of the sound of the real world. One of the interesting things about how we've changed our lives is that that's further emphasised the difference between the character of me um, and me in that the character of me, the Dave in the story of the family tree, he still lives in London in a flat with his partner Jen in London in a flat and we don't live there anymore. Um, And he has had very different life experiences to me in all sorts of ways. Uh, He also, in in some ways, he has a different gender identity. Like I've kind of moved, I'm moving more into a kind of sort of genderqueer or non-binary kind of sense of myself whereas the character of 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 uh of dave in the show is is a fully definitely like no question cisgender no question man uh these things that i am questioning in my own life uh maybe because he's just like got distracted because he's because he because he maybe he'd have come to similar conclusions to me if he'd have had a a life to be able to focus on that stuff, but he's just been focusing on changelings. Well, everyone keeps trying to persuade him to be a changeling, so maybe he'll maybe he'll have a similar... He'll get to the same place in a different way. Yeah, right. <laughs> but, I mean, that's been an interesting thing in this, in this third season, of being, like, so different now from the character of me that it is an actual new character. Like, it's... Mm. it's, it's, it's so many like in in season two i had to do a lot more acting maybe than in season three there's been a lot less acting with a capital a from me in this season partly because i'm not in it as much Mm. um partly because that there just isn't the same drama in some of the scenes that i'm in that for me uh there are for the other characters than there has been in in previous series well that's sort of true but what about all the stuff with your dad well, that well, yeah, yeah. Well, that a lot of that was recorded um, even earlier than the other stuff. Like we recorded that at the same time as oh, we recorded so the stuff well, it is the for season, season. It's not your seasonal experience of it. Yeah, because my dad, like me, um, is quite separate in some ways from the character he's playing. He we needed to record it with him early because he's he does have dementia, like his character does, and he is much further along in terms of that dementia than the character is. We recorded those scenes back in time when he had, when he did have more of his wits about him. Although he wanted to he wanted he would have liked us to have written that scene so that he, that becoming a changeling cured him of dementia, but it wasn't wasn't something we could achieve with his performance that he gave. Unfortunately he in order to perform someone losing their dementia and becoming the person they used to be that person needs to be able to, do to lose their dementia. And my dad wasn't when we recorded those scenes. But yeah, there was a lot of stuff with that. And, and in the narrations in this series, I have had to act, um, you know, my feelings around my dad and my feelings around all sorts of different things. But it's been, it's been weird for me this season because it's really felt like a different person. Mm. And actually, sometimes with different conclusions, I think the character of me in the show is is in some ways more judgmental 
than I am, and in some ways less judgmental than I am. It's it's a weird mix of those kinds of things. So yeah, like I guess we're sort of covering how my life became so mixed in with the story that we started off in season one with my dad, partly just because we love his voice and he's an old man. And so it's great to have a kind of old man's voice and he's fun to work with. And it was fun to be able to to get him involved in a creative project because he loves to do that. And he's always been a real passionately interested person in in the family tree. When we kind of cast him in the first season, we didn't really think, oh yeah, we're going to tell a story about his dementia and that he's going to become a changeling by the end. Um, That kind of came out of his enthusiasm for it and him getting dementia and how he felt about that. And so when we went into making season... We we came up with the plot for season two and season three of The Family Tree towards the end of the process of season one. Mm. Like, we knew all of season one when we started season one. By the end of season one, we knew all of the three-season arc... Which is not to say we knew everything that was going to happen. Loads of things changed in loads of ways. But we knew where we wanted to end it. Mm. We wanted what being a changeling was to change for each season and to become uh, shapeshifters by the third season. It's the word we used. We never used yeah, it in the show. it was a helpful way of thinking about it. And we expected that it would be incorporated in the show, but it, it never was. Right. We wanted to go full Sense8 and show the changeling phenomena was a global one and throughout history... Uh, and kind of represent as many different kinds of people and many different sort of strands of of history and culture in the show as possible. I found culture and history. Good. (laughs) Thanks, Siri. So that's Jen's phone that only responds to me and only when I don't say Siri. Like, I don't know what I thought was that. Anyway. We wanted Mark to come back. That yes. was one of the main things. We liked his performance in season one. That was, that, I mean, that wasn't the entire reason the, the story developed as it was, but it was a big catalyst for how uh, how you can come back, how how people how the change can go in the opposite direction. That that basically originally came from how can we have Mark back? Right, and you know we kind of brought him back in the second season reading you know, in a, in a historical document of him reading a, a, on a story tape in the past. Um, and we partly did that so that we could keep his voice in people's minds for when we were bringing back in season three. And yet a lot of stuff came from that decision. In fact, we didn't know we were going to bring Nathan back. We originally were just going to kill him. And he then we realised... But we realised that he would be able to come back. Yeah. Because we were bringing Mark back. And so... A lot of that sort of stuff came from performances, like people's performances kind of helped us to know where they were going to go. And that happened with my dad as much as with anyone else. And then, yeah, it was very... And then it happened in the other direction as well, like we weren't able to get uh, Cameron back to play Jocelyn, so that became a kind of, well, how do we write, like what's happened to Jocelyn that means that she can't come back, and that's what... Yeah, I mean, that was quite good for us in some ways. Whilst we would have liked to have brought back Justin and we did have a whole load of plot that we never got to get to with that story, we liked the fact that that not every not everyone survives, that not everybody... Mm. We didn't think it was particularly realistic for everybody to do well. 
And in fact, we, we, we decided on a lot of the Scarbeck stuff based on Scarbeck's, like on Rita's performance of Scarbeck in the, in the original episode. Mm. Like that was, it was kind of after, I think it was actually after we'd done, we were recording the Amazon scenes um, for season two. We were walking back when we came up with the plan to have the organisation get taken over by Scarbeck and everything That's get right. reversed. I remember that. I remember well, like talking about place and stuff in relation. I remember walking through... Well, I say I remember. I clearly don't remember. There were some animals. We were walking in a nice place with some animals. Yeah, Mudsheep Farm. That's right. It was a really good, really good Mudsheep Farm. And that's an interesting thing as well. Like the, 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 the kind of characters and the circumstances... So, the, like you say, actors being available or not available for the third season, and the performances that the actors gave, that had a lot to do with with where the plot was went and ended up. But we'd also in season one, we'd sort of set ourselves the goal of making a happy show, of having a happy ending to a certain extent, like an ambiguously happy. Like we don't like anything to be simple. Um, but we want, like I had been making stand-up tragedy for years and I wanted to, to make a show that had a kind of, just, I think it's harder to make happy shows. For me it is. Uh, and you as well, you're, you're, you're quite drawn like to bleak bleakness. Well. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so that was part of the goal. And in season two, we got to have our cake and eat it by having like less happy storylines because we knew we could break people in that season to bring them back for season three. Like, whereas in season one, we could only break people a little bit and bring them back because we wanted it to be rounded up by the end of the series. Mm. So at that point, we didn't 100% know we would carry on. Mm. And so I think we actually, we've achieved that. Uh, we've achieved the kind of happy endings because it's not exactly a kind of final ending in the, in the, in the way that we wanted the story well, to work. It's neatly worked out in that it is both multiple endings and no endings at all. Like, the, the, the characters are just carrying on, aren't they? There, there isn't an end. Right, which I think is kind of speaking to the realism side of the show mm. and also the magical side of the show because in, in, in magic, nothing it really ends either. No. And so, yeah, like it became very tied up. My life became very tied up with it because it's got my dad in it because we're talking about dementia. We're talking about my relationship with my dad. I mean, my dad is in a assisted living situation, whereas the, my dad in the show is a tree. Which which was what he wanted. I managed to give my dad basically the the death that he would have liked um, in the show, of the fictional death that he would have liked in the show. The only thing that's sad to me about it is that he's not really capable of understanding things enough now to appreciate um, what we did in the show now. He can't really understand very much. I mean, he can't even... He doesn't even recognise me. But at least... The, the the past version of him would have been really happy with what we did, and he knew we were doing it as well. Like oh, he, he was, uh, he it was his idea. It was his idea. Yeah. He basically wrote that ending. What was it? Well, that he was kept saying he was thing. like a changeling. He kept he on did. saying that, and that's one yeah. of the reasons we kind of. Did and it. we didn't want him like putting him in Willowbridge was actually logistically difficult, and that wasn't what we were planning on doing. But he was adamant that that's where he wanted the tree to be. Yeah, no, he did. He wrote that. He, did, he, he wrote that. He decided that, but that was where we lost out. A scene that I, I wish we hadn't hadn't lost because we would have liked to have had the scene between 
Shahjan mm. and her mother Mariam, uh, and we had actors for that. But the uh, the logistics of it didn't work out very well. Uh, Bish is now in LA uh, writing for Marvel, uh, which is amazing, um, and uh, all power to her. But it meant that we couldn't have her back to perform Shahjan. But I'm glad that we wanted that story because I think partly because we wanted that story we end, was part of why we made the story for my dad. Was It was a way of telling mm. that story, uh, the story we didn't get to tell. Uh, and so we were left with the story that w- was left, which is still a good story. And I think I was very pleased to at least be able to give my dad the fictional send-off that he wants. Um, and also to give him the... Uh... At the time that we recorded all of that and that he was involved, he was on his journey of dementia, but he had a lot more about him at that time. But he wasn't able to read or write and do the creative things that he had previously enjoyed doing. And so it was nice to be able to give him a last creative project. Right. And, I mean, I guess there's, of course, we created the family tree, so there's loads of our lives kind of within it, like the... The Sullivan family is a a complex uh, dynamic, which is similar to my own family life in some ways, with like different ages of different brothers and sisters and that sort of thing, and the kind of blended family element, which is like you know my, Maya's set up with her parents is kind of like my niece and stuff around that is all very much kind of drawn from my life. And there's also elements of the Sullivan family that's like your family. Uh, And as we've made season three, that's been a surprise to us how much of our lives have kind of got mixed in with with that. It was funny because even um, I didn't even really realise that until doing listening walks and actually hearing it like almost as a listener would going, oh, my God, that's actually I'm seeing my own life in here. And I didn't know that that was. Right. Didn't even really know that that's what we were doing. Yeah, because we we weren't consciously. We knew we were putting a lot of my life in. Yeah. But we weren't weren't as aware that it was going to correlate with your life. And part of that's been accident because circumstances have changed in your life in certain ways, which have made your life fit with the family tree more. Uh, But that, that those circumstances happening meant that that fed into what we did with the show and how, and the kinds of comments we wanted to make about, uh, about redemption and, uh, uh, rehabilitation and forgiveness and all those kinds of things. That's all stuff that I have had to think about a lot personally. Um, So definitely part of the... Well, I don't know which process fed into which, maybe both into each other, but definitely me thinking about it personally informed our uh, writing of the show and the show helped me to think about it personally. Right. And that's how it's been for me with my dad uh, and, and my life. I mean, this is the thing. It's been an interesting process that has kind of been bound up with our lives. Like, our lives have been the family tree in some ways. Like, we half believe it because we're so invested in it and we've spent so much time imagining it. And it's also affected our lives. It's informed our lives. It's changed our lives in loads of ways. And we've done it together, Mm. which has been an interesting thing to do. One of the things that we've done in the show is we have blurred the lines even more and more as it's gone on between fiction and reality, uh, between the cuttings and the the main 
show. Uh, we've done a lot of that in the early season as well. I mean, it's been baked in from the start. But by having Jackie come back and play a kind of a character version of her when she was an expert in the first series, but also we had Azariah come and perform as himself in in a in the main part of the the show, and that was your idea. I really enjoyed that. <laughs> I really enjoyed that, um, and like amazing of Azariah to be willing to do that and interested in in speaking to Beach. As a real person. Yeah, and when we've been mixing those sort of strands together, I mean, it's been an interesting one. Like, the cuttings have grown as a cutting shit. Uh, They've grown over over time. Like, in the first season, they became more than we expected. In the second season, we kind of knew what they were and we built on that and we made them kind of into something a bit more meaty. And then in this last season, I feel like they've grown again in different ways. I mean, it's been difficult because we didn't get as many of... Like, we we got less responses of, like, yes, we'll do it from potential guests uh, for the cuttings for this season, um, which meant that we... Like, there's, there's some things I would have liked to, to, to have been a bit different in terms of the, the makeup of the cuttings guests. I'd have liked to have been a little bit less uh, white and a little bit less... Uh, well, I don't know. You make some di- di- representing diverse voices is complicated, isn't it? Because when you lose one kind of diversity, you often gain other kinds of diversity. So uh, I, I don't know, but there definitely are some voices that I would have liked mm. to have had within some of the discussions that we were having. Particularly, I think, particularly within the kind of final episode that kind of talks about. Uh, forgiveness and justice and stuff like that I think um, different kinds of marginalised voices would have had different things to say in that episode that we didn't necessarily have and sometimes we we had people in ways which we actually meant that we had them in the in the cuttings but we couldn't get them to be part of the the like we used clips from people's podcasts uh, which meant that they weren't there in the final the final episode where all the voices mixed together. Mm. So, which in terms of length is probably just as well, but it, it, it's a shame <laughs> to have missed their opinions on that. Yeah, it, it, just on that last episode, I don't know if you had you've probably got this to talk about somewhere else, but I that was a real lesson um, when we realised that we had to answer those questions. Really, that, that that would be a good thing for to have our voices in at the end. How bloody difficult those questions are that we've been giving people. I know, I know. <laughs> I didn't really realise until I tried to answer them. Yeah, that's that's an interesting thing, isn't it? Like, yeah, asking people those questions is easy. Um, and you get fascinating, brilliant answers from them. Asking those questions to yourself is so hard. Really hard. And, and also having you answer the questions was part of the intention of, like, bringing you in a little bit more because you... You are the co-creator, the co-producer, the, the director, uh, the kind of well, it also showrunner the of this. boundaries a little bit and like bringing my voice more in towards the end kind of, to me, feels like kind of closing the loop a bit and bringing in like the cuttings and the, the like, it just makes it more... I don't right. Know what the right word is? Because you're a character anyway, because you have been mentioned. Mm. You're canon, you're within the show. You're like Maya... 
you've been mentioned a lot, but you've ne- we never hear you. Ben calls me controlling at one point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Zach doesn't remember doing that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's 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 it. So it was also about like making it kind of can like in the world like clear that you are a part of it, mm. um, so that at least even if we do still get emails just addressed to me, which is our own fault. It's the way the show works. We wrote you out of the show. Yeah, yeah. Um, but even if we do still get those those emails, we at least have made you canon, made you made your voice be heard. Yes. And that's been like part of that process. I mean, how do you feel about that? Like at this point, like it's only it only really frustrates me when uh, when emails do come back just to you or reviews get left with your. Uh, about you um those are the only times it really frustrates me the rest of the time I stand by our decision and I think it was right um like I'm, I'm happy with that it doesn't help imposter syndrome though does it no it doesn't it doesn't at all uh, and that's been a ni- another reason why it's been nice to have a bit of a creative input at the end because sometimes I've, it, the effect is that I've written myself out of the process and I've been like oh I'm just the admin assistant You've had to remind me that I'm not, and I've right. actually uh, done quite a lot of other. I know, and you'll say <laughs> things like the cuttings are really just on you, just just made by me, and I'm, I'll be like, no, no, no. We came up with the questions together. We selected the guests together. You interviewed Robert Paul. You literally well, we interviewed did a lot of the other interviews on together. your own. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know, and, and a lot of the interviews you've been like within but you haven't spoken but in terms of Robert Paul you interviewed him I mean I edited you out <laughs> <laughs> but you did interview him and he was your idea he was your kind of he was your per, per, your pet project you like worked on getting him <laughs> and I think you know that's that's an interesting this is an interesting kind of element of of uh of how that's worked uh, is that you have yeah been constantly saying to me that you're like less important than me in this uh, process the same way as 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 the emails you get would imply that you're less important mm. um, but I know you're not and I know the amount of work you've done and so I've been kind of constantly arguing against that uh, in our kind of personal lives and our personal discussions. Yeah, so that is a good reason why it's been good to end on the Christmas. Because right now, I feel like I, because I've, well, we've literally just recorded the Christmas, some of the Christmas episode. Yeah. Um, so it's feeling very fresh. Uh, so right now, I I feel I'm feeling quite like I am involved and I am um, key. Uh, but that is not always the case when all I've been doing is posting episodes and um, and doing the social media. Right, I mean, and it's but like, and it and it's it's been a real kind of one of the nice things that's been nice about the show is 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 finding these arcs for every character, you know, from the point of view of in, in a way like the show is in itself an arc for my character. I start off making a, a kind of manipulative edited show. In the second season, I'm putting it out as it happens, which has other kinds of ethical problems uh, with with doing that. And then in season three, I'm trying to find a balance uh, between that and, like, the actual format of the show in some ways is kind of part of the arc of my character uh, going through it, you know? Like, 
the character of Melanie had a whole arc where she's kind of healed. It's been a, a lot about healing, mm. a lot about kind of facing uh, the mistakes of the past, secrets and and st- and stuff like that, and bringing them out into the light. I mean, well, actually, maybe like it's a, it's just interesting. Like maybe Mark is the one who, in some ways, has the least of an arc. I don't know. It's almost like uh, he's. It's almost because he's kind of at the end of his arc, like because of because of the fact that he's come back. He's almost more like a chorus or a comment on himself. Yeah. So it's it's a bit less. I can't really find the words to describe what I mean. So much as that his his arc is has happened. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, and. I mean, I was going to talk about the kind of... I think an interesting example to talk about is uh, the process for the final episode as has gone out now, the, the fifth of the, of the Family Tree endings. Um, because for, for a start, we commissioned Martin to write a song for that. Uh, and he knocked that out of the park... Uh, and put a lot of work and really intelligent and thoughtful... He's amazing. I, ...work into that song. Yeah, there's a, an awful lot going on there, and I'm so glad that we got him to talk about it, because um, although you can see, you can hear what what clever work he's done just by listening to the song, it's only when you hear him talk about it that you understand quite how much he put into thinking that through and what all the things mean. Yeah, and I also think because it's a thoughtful song, uh, it it isn't kind of a, as immediately hooky in some ways. So it benefited from us being able to play it a few times within the piece so that people could really get into the complexities of what's there, um, which is hard to do in a, in a show where it's like you're listening to an episode and then the episode's over. So... Mm. I, it was nice to be able to do that. And obviously Martin also wrote the Thought Adventures theme tune so he can, he can write something that gets stuck in your head. And I think the, the song that he wrote does get stuck in your head, but mm. the, to, to sample the full richness of that song, it was good to be able to present it in It was also way. nice just because, because of what the hurry and him is. Am I saying that right? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, which I would never have known if you haven't told us the story. Um, it's almost kind of a comment on that, I mean, it, it wasn't consciously us doing that, but it it does the same job by playing it ahead. Right. The repeating... Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. It's the repeating Sorry. motif or the repeating melody. Like, mm. yeah, exactly. It's it's like it's echoing through time. Yeah. Which is what, you know, what the, what the show's about. Um, and so that was all great. And we knew we were ending with that. Uh, I wrote a kind of outro for it but we also we were going to include uh like some quotations from a really long (laughs) essay that somebody wrote about time from the point of view of geological from a, a geological perspective on time and environment and stuff like this and we actually got jen like one of the you know we 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 got jen to record you read the article, you underlined bits, you recorded... There were a lot of big words in it. It was extremely hard to say. 
And then when we put it in, it just, it took us out. It took the listener out of the story. We wanted to kind of make it even bigger to hit like geological time and the complexities of the world. When you put it in, uh, you said, can I come and listen to it and tell me what you think? And I listened to it and I was like, I don't like it. That's, I feel really bad, Um, but I'm going to have to say. So I did. And you were like, oh, thank God. I hate it too. Yeah, right. <laughs> it was a really great moment of, oh, phew, right, good, we both hate it. <laughs> and then we were talking about what can we do, and you had the idea to uh, go back to my dad, uh, go, to, go back to a clip from my dad speaking. And then I went through the material and was like, Jesus, this will be really good, and like edit, did an edit that like basically gave him a final word, a final mm. monologue. That worked out really well. Because the first episode is me, like it starts, the start of the first episode is me, my dad and my brother. And it meant that we had all three of us, not just his his presence in the form of the tree, but his presence, his voice, uh, kind of being the final word on the show in some ways. Um, Which again also goes back to Martin's song and the hurry and him idea and the echoes. It it worked out so nicely. But that wouldn't have happened if we hadn't recorded a load of stuff we didn't like. Um, and if you had no, like, it was a lot of time, like, work and, and effort that we completely threw away. But if we hadn't have thrown away, like, if we hadn't have done that, we never would have got to the place that we got. No. And you came up with that idea. I think it's a very good example of, like, of a moment whereby you say to me, you know, I didn't have anything to do with the end of that show. And I'll be like, you actually wrote the ending. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And it's an interesting one in that way. Um this has also been the first time, the first series where we've had kind of actively got feedback from fans and reviewers and people during during the process. Like we heard back from a reviewer, of in, a few reviewers in season one, but that was only really about episode one mm. uh, and not really about the show in general. We've been hearing back regularly from our, uh, well, my friend, Kathy, who is also a fan of the show and and had a cameo in uh, season two and continued her her cameo in a a number of ways in in season three so we've we've been hearing back from that one individual fan but we've also heard back from kind of reviewers of the process that we've been doing rather than just the first episode we've had like people have opinions about characters and we had even had a a couple of, of fans ringing in which we've tried to make happen in season one, ringing in, and uh, we've tried to get people to we kind of give us feedback. Number, we did. We? we paid for a phone number. <laughs> Cost us money to not. That we then had to make part of the show of like, oh no, the, the phone number never worked in the first place. It wasn't that nobody rang in, but we were asking them for a lot in that series. Yeah. In fact, we still ask them for a lot in this because we asked them to answer the same questions that we yeah. were just saying how hard did, they were. And that was great. Two people Two did. Two people did. And in this season, you know, we've been doing a lot of work on the character of Ben and the character of Nathan, which were which some listeners do have problems with. I mean, a lot of people who listen to the show, Nathan's one of their favourite characters, but not everybody. For some people, Nathan and Ben being cis, middle-class white men are very annoying. Um... I mean, that's not unintentional. Uh, We want them to be annoying. Um, But we also want them to be kind of rounded characters that people can relate to in in different ways. Ben, I think, almost... 
as much as anybody, if not more than many characters, has had a massive journey across the seasons. Yeah. Redeeming Ben yeah, has been one been of the been, hardest jobs. It really has. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, and I don't know, like, still listeners will still have different opinions about different things. It was interesting, like, to have things that we did deliberately be picked out as potential criticisms, like we are representing how annoying and privileged uh, middle-class white men can be, and I hope not giving them too much of the screen time, listening time, but at the same time, giving them enough to do some work on them. Yeah. To try and change them, to try and engage with some of the things about that kind of identity. And it's been interesting in that respect, like disappointing our fa- our favourite fan. Like uh, Kathy mm. Elliott, who, whose favourite character was uh, the once Reverend Philip Beach, <laughs> was kind of disappointed by him moving away from Christianity in terms of his expression of religiousness. Although I think he hasn't really moved away from Christianity so much as kind of included Christianity within the understanding he has of changed. Right. He's just de he's he's deorganized himself. Yeah. He's defrocked. He's defrocked. But he has not stopped believing in the sacred. No. Uh and Maybe not even in a Christian... Like, I don't think he's not necessarily... You know, I don't think he necessarily disbelieves One in One of the things I really loved about the Azariah and uh, Reverend Beach conversation is that we knew that that was happening. And um, a- Adrian, who plays Reverend Beach, knew that he was questioning his faith at that point. Uh, so it was really interesting to explore that with Azariah and for Reverend Beach to ask him questions, knowing uh, with us knowing that by the end he was going to get to the point where he decided to move away from the church. Yeah, I mean, it would be interesting to check in with Azariah to see how he feels about that. We're certainly never meant to suggest that meeting with Azariah is likely to not help someone to uh, find their faith again. I mean, to be honest, any time I talk to Azariah, I'm half converted to Christianity just because he's such a lovely guy. I I, I certainly don't think it did do that anyway. I think it was the conversation helped Reverend Beach to explore his feelings and his relationship. I don't think it in any way uh, persuaded him to do one thing or another thing. No. It just helped him to understand his thinking. Right, absolutely. And, and I mean, that's been interesting as well. Like, uh, his arc has been a very interesting arc. Like, compared to a lot of characters, his arc's been more about kind of shifts in philosophy or emotion, whereas everybody else has been a lot more kind of dealing with their own stuff. And unpacking their own stuff. Uh, well, he's got more stuff to... Um, I mean, what's his own stuff? He's got Ellie. <laughs> well, I, I he's actually... He's got a lot of stuff to deal with. I still think, to be honest, it's not clear what Reverend Beach's stuff is. Yeah. I mean, there's there's still kind of questions, really, about what his childhood was like. Yeah, he, or his, he's definitely his got life. some of his own stuff that he doesn't... He maybe should address sometime. Yeah, I think he needs to... Maybe, maybe in the yeah, Reverend Beach and Ellie spin-off series. Before we kind of like... That's not happening. Sure. Before we, before we come up with ideas that mean that we can never stop doing the family tree. I mean, because that's something that we should mention. Like, we wanted to end the family tree for ourselves as much as for anything else. It's good for a story to have an end. I think we both believe that. But also from our lives, uh, if... 
we want to tell other stories in other ways and you don't want to get locked into something mm. and not be able to move and, 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 and try. Like, we believe in change so much, like the show should suggest, that we want to have the space in our lives to change as creators. I'm nodding. Like you look like you're going to say something. No. So I was leaving again. <laughs> um, so, yeah, but, but before we kind of get into kind of covering some of the thank yous and expressing how much gratitude we have to all of the amazing contributors that we had. Do we want to talk about how the show at one point we felt was going to become a TV series? Did we talk about this before any others? No, I don't think we did because we were worried that it would not happen and it didn't happen. So, Yeah, uh, I mean... Never say never. Yeah, I, I mean... Well, we are talking about it now. We talked to somebody about making it into a TV series. We uh, started writing how that writing out how that would look. Yeah, he contacted us. Um, all right, Siri, calm down. Uh, and that's all actually ready to go if it ever does get picked up again. It's been dropped for now. Um, the producer who was interested in it, has, his life has changed. Um, but, you know, it's there. It might It might get picked up again, it might not. Yeah, but that was an interesting thing because we one of the reasons we made the show is because we want to make TV. And uh, that was a kind of tantalising possibility for a while. But also a fascinating education because we had no idea what we were doing and we were, uh, we'd, never, we'd never written, we wanted to, but we never had written for TV. So as a kind of introduction to the process, what would be needed, what would, how would the story need to be different for TV, um, what... What's the initial process of writing a treatment like? How would the massive? story be different? In like, cause it was set in a different country. It had we gender swapped some of the characters? There was a lot going on that was interesting to do. Like, we added new characters. Yeah, we a did. whole extra. I mean, it was creatively fun to come up with the the whole extra strand that will be there if it ever does happen. Well, we changed my character into two different characters. Yeah. Uh, and all sorts of different things. And, and that was exciting and interesting. And it was really interesting to kind of look at the show from a different point of view. Um, Actually, that, uh, like in terms of, you know, things for season three happening when we were doing season two and how, how much overlap there was, I definitely remember we were doing that in the process of one of the two seasons because I remember coming from a character meeting and sitting in the park having a Skype conversation with this guy yeah. Uh, in the middle, like we just, I can't remember who we were talking to. We were having some uh, a character development meeting for one of the episodes. Yeah. And then going into thinking about the same character for TV. Yeah, it was it was confusing, and you found it very confusing because you because you 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 like to hold on to a kind of you don't like to move around. You like want to like think like right TV version or yeah. It was very Podcast version, but whereas I'm like skipping between the different. I'm just not very good at doing that. And I guess what would you do different? Uh, what would, what what do you wish we'd done differently? What for this season? Or for, for all three. Um, God, I mean, I wish we had had better equipment at times uh, or done things differently with like the like getting the thing to stop wobbling and that kind of thing at the beginning um, 
But I also don't, because I think that that will help the the show. Yeah, I've got that on my list of things that I would have done differently. Some of the sound quality. You've got I, a list. I've done differently. You well, came I, prepared as well. You would have done differently. I made it all. I made this whole list like like a week ago. And before we started, I said, "Do you want to uh, like make your own list?" And I didn't know. I'm, I know. What? Um, I'm, saying, <laughs> I'm saying you've already thought about this question. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I would keep the book better, as in stop like starting whole new sections in the middle of the book so you can never find anything. I would have made it all a lot more uh, structurally easy to manage. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't want to say I, w- I wouldn't do anything differently because. I definitely would, and and you should. But I'm also really happy with what we've got, and also I, I can't actually specifically think of anything that I would do differently. No, I mean that's fair enough. I mean, I would I would change some of the sound quality, for, like like you're saying, um, but not all, not all of it, and, no. and and not not some of the bits that not necessarily bits that people will even notice or care about. I, I would have liked to have got. At least the Shahjan scene, as as, oh, as mentioned, I would have yes, loved to yes. have got that because we had a a big idea for how that would have worked. And I would have liked the original Jocelyn scene too. Although I am also happy that that story got told with a tragedy. That that was a, a good bonus. Yep, and I think that, like as I mentioned as well, like I would have liked the cuttings to be a bit more like diverse in terms of the mm. the, the people who were the guests for season three. Um, but that's difficult. I think the more marginalised the voices that you want, the harder it is to get them if you're not paying. Like That's like a, a thing that, need, that people need to know. People who say yes and can give their time for free are people who can afford to give their time for free. Mm. And so you, that is just the reality of it. I mean, we paid our performers. Uh, if, we'd, if we paid Cuttings guests, apart from that being not really a convention within the world of podcasting. Like, most guests are not paid to appear on a podcast. Um, but even if we'd have kind of gone against that convention and, and paid guests, uh, we couldn't have afforded to do that. Like, we no. wouldn't have been able to pay uh, the performers as much and we wouldn't have been able to do as much. And and so we we found different ways of, of getting guests... Uh, and most of the guests for the whole three seasons, most of them said yes. Um, but we did have a lot of specific guests that we had in mind for this series who we just couldn't get. And the, that, the reason that we couldn't get them was a mixture of some of them not being able to do it without being paid, which is very reasonable on their part. And some of it was just they were just a bit too big to to get the attention of. Like we wanted to get... Uh, some of the Fab Five from Queer Eye, we, it's very or Esther Perel. Uh, these are hard people to get hold of. One thing that um, is interesting though is that we would never even ever asked these people if it wasn't for the fact that we'd had so much success with getting guests that we were surprised to get. In right previous, in previous series, yeah. So we kind of upped our our like uh, wish list in a way, like made it even bigger for season three. So it's no wonder that we <laughs> yeah, didn't get true. everybody. And we did get some big people yeah, we as well. We I mean, and that was cool. I mean, it's it's always great to kind of meet meet the people that you admire. Well, it's not always great, um, but it has been great during this process to meet all the people who've been guests on the cuttings. They have all been uh, 
worth meeting. Uh, there are people who you admire that you shouldn't meet. It's hard to know in advance, though. Um, but we've been lucky with the family tree. They've all been nice. I guess this is kind of the point to sort of say the people who've wrote the music have been as, as much a part of the creation of the show as, as anybody else. Uh, the performers have been amazing. My brother's artwork that he's done for it has, has, has been really good and has also changed and grown mm-hmm. over the three seasons as his kind of art practice has changed and grown. But also because the first season's artwork was sketches captured during a funeral and a wake, whereas uh, the pieces that we've asked for since then have been more considered... Within the world of the show, they're based on pictures, on photographs. Which is meant that, I mean, I assume it's been uh, more creatively fulfilling for him, but it's certainly been uh, more... that He's been able to hide more details in them that comment on the show, which is a really nice thing to have. Right. And he's been a big part of the show in lots of ways, like in his acting, in his things that he's done. Like, it's, And it's been a, a joy to be able to, like you know, create something with him. Do you know, it's actually a year ago today, my memory book tells me, that we recorded the Tony scene here. Wow. <laughs> it was recorded at the Ashton Memorial uh, in Lancaster. Tony came across from uh, near Bolton, where he lives, and uh, we went up in the rain. Well, no, it wasn't the rain. No. There was wind. There was there wind. Was wind yeah. uh, and we recorded by a tree. Um, I think it was an oak tree. No. no, it wasn't. It's another time, second time that a, a non-oak tree has played at an oak tree in the show. But those, even those trees have partly wrote things about the show. Yeah, it's true. true. We've written the show, but it's also written itself. The performers have written the show and done things we weren't expecting. The life experiences and life circumstances have written the show and changed mm-hmm. how things are. And, you know, now we're basically done. I mean, we've got... I've got a bit of editing to do for the Christmas special. You'll have another listening walk to do. Yeah. And then we'll and be done. I mean, how do you feel about the end of the show? I feel like, to me, although I feel like we have done the end, to me the Christmas special feels like um, an epilogue, which kind of is an end. So I don't feel like we have ended it yet. I don't feel like... I feel like that's coming um, How do you feel about the upcoming ending then? Are you? Are you? You mean about the concept of not having yeah. this anymore? Like you're already experiencing itself? some of that, right? So you're already experiencing yeah. uh, free time on well, a Tuesday. I mean, I'm not. Well, so that's the thing. To... I mean, the idea was, we'll see, we'll see. The idea was that the family tree time was going to be filled with another creative project. The reality is, it's just like become a normal weekday afternoon in which I'm doing work. Um, so I hope to have uh, room to have another creative project or work on one that exists already. Time will tell whether I allow myself that. It's certainly nice not to have the admin on a like Tuesday afternoon anymore. Um, and practically that mean, what that means at the moment is that I'm able to earn a little bit more money, which is useful. Hopefully what it will mean is that I'm able to write a little bit more. Create, <laughs> create stuff more. in general. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to it being over, but I'm also really sad. Yes. Well, yes. I mean, I'm, I I feel like the thing I'm sad about is already... like was, I was sad when we recorded the last thing for 
season three, like the, the the most joyful thing was in creating it with the performers and in recording it. And uh, those like brilliant days we would have where we would record and then we'd go for a walk at the end after everybody had gone, just that high. I already miss that. Um, a practical point of view of I, I don't miss admin. So no, and I, I'm I'm also looking forward to having it ended it because then we can look back on it, like and at some point listen back. Yeah, to it. I would really like to listen to the whole thing in order as a listener would. I'm really interested to hear that. Yeah, and maybe I mean we're talk- talking about this as being the last conversation, which maybe it will be, but it might be interesting to do a kind of a conversation after doing that after a re- like, reflecting like yeah. kind of a director's commentary type thing. Yeah, that's true. That would be interesting to do. I, and also, I feel very proud of us for doing it. I can't believe it. I can't, like, I don't know. Like, it's the same with my novel or going back to university, my, my dissertation. Like, I look at those things and think, I just don't know how we did that. <laughs> <laughs> no. And it's, it's sort of just spiralled just from that walk where we were talking about this story idea, what if, what if, and then all of a sudden we're doing it and then we've done season three and... Like, all these impossible hurdles we somehow managed to... And there's so much brilliance in it. Like, there's so many things that, like, whether or not there's a few little things I'd do differently, I'm so proud of what it is. I'm so proud of how it's... of the work that other people have done, of the work that I've done, to be honest. Like, all of the work that's gone into it. There's so much, like, brilliance within it. And it's... It has evolved and changed and 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 represented evolution and change in a way that I don't know like I think that's the thing like if if you want something to exist, you have to make it happen for yourself and and I've never seen anything that's quite done all of the things or heard anything that quite done all the things that the family tree does, and so it's been exciting for me as a listener to get that. I, I think uh, sort of a, a tangential springboard from that is that in that sense that it's not over because it's a podcast, it's there and we haven't reached all the listeners that we would like to reach uh, much as I don't want to do a sh- load more admin um, the Family Tree story hasn't ended the Family Tree story will still be heard hopefully by a yeah, wider audience absolutely. and hopefully more and more people will listen to it and enjoy it, I hope um, so in a way it's not over Right, and also within the world of the show, the whole existing world is canon. Like, because it plays with fiction and reality and it goes into all of these thematic explorations within the cuttings and kind of links what's happening to history and culture and philosophy and religion. Like, the world is part of the canon of the family tree. Yeah, in an interesting way and and there are you know there are as as we've gone on with making the show there have been more and more things a bit like what we do popping up like i've already mentioned sense 8 but you know there's the oa there's uh, glitch uh, but these are all things enjoyed. that are story like in the, the, the whole leftovers. process. Yeah, exactly. It's is not like an. No, they're, they're not. But all exactly, all of those things are TV shows mm. that are very uninteractive. They they don't do all of these kind of explorations around them. Um, so it's it's 
it, it's kind of unique. I, I'm scared to say, but I, I do think it is. And that doesn't mean that other things won't do the same thing. And it doesn't mean there aren't things out there that I haven't heard that already do everything mm. the family tree does and more. Um, but if there is, tell me about them. I'd love to hear about them. I mean, there are some great podcast dramas out there. Don't get us wrong. You know, there's the Bright Sessions that had an influence on what we do. There's there's Within the Wires. And and there's there's also been some kind of non-fiction podcasts that have been uh, reference points for the show, uh, like S-Town and Serial, Missing Richard Simmons, which I'm quite critical of in the show and in real life, um, has been a reference point for this last season, Where Should We Begin? Or Where Shall I Begin? Or where, how, what, I'll just look that where up. Where Should We Begin? Where Should We Begin with Esther Perel has been a, a big influence on kind of trying to bring people together and be therapeutic. So there's been a lot of like existing podcasts that have influenced us and I don't want to kind of claim that we're not uh, in their debt some of them we've even managed to feature as part of the show in the cuttings and there's a lot of uh, there's a lot a lot a lot of really interesting sounding uh, audio fiction that I've yet to listen to as well I mean uh, I've listened to the Wolverine podcast and that's been great but uh, I, I suspect it's nowhere near as great as the a lot of the work that's been made by audio producers of independent means uh, there's caravan I want to listen to there's loads of shows out there that I want to listen to and haven't got around to listening to yet one of the things I'm excited to do now the family tree is over is potentially listen to some podcasts listen to more podcasts listen to kind of more exciting podcasts I mean the logic would say you should listen to them as you're doing it um because that kind of helps to influence you but it's hard to find the time (laughs) it's not necessarily the last uh, project anyway you know influence future future projects that's true as well it's unlikely to be the last project we do together right yeah, I would have thought Because so. we've really enjoyed working together on this project. And we always accidentally... we've like This is the biggest project and the most realised project we've ever worked on, but we're always accidentally starting projects together. So I find it unlikely that one day we won't have another walk and get an idea that turns into a thing. Oh, no, absolutely. And also, I mean, as you say, we've, we've already worked on projects before. Um, but even when we're not working on projects... We are always our first, each other's first list, like first reader, first editor, first responder. You make it sound a bit medical if you say first responder. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> I mean, it is. Well, it's of... true. I mean, we are each other's first uh, saving. You know, if, 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 if it needs first response. Yeah, if someone's in crisis, <laughs> creative crisis, we're the ones who are there. I mean, I can't thank or appreciate the performers and the contributors to the cuttings uh, enough, really. And also, the, you know, Tony and the three different people whose music we used. Every single person who's been involved in it has shaped it and made it what it is, um, no matter what that role was. And it would be it would be impossible for it to be exactly what it is without anybody who's worked on it. Yeah. And even sometimes when people didn't even know they were working on it, like when I've been, when, when you know, for example, in the third season's cuttings, uh, we used clips from the Meg, John and Justin podcast with permission from Meg, John and Justin, but they didn't know when they were making 
their podcast that it would originally that it would be used in a different context and then inform us you know a lot of their podcast because you listen to a lot of their podcast as well to to select clips i did like a massive binge listen to select clips i spent like a what two weeks just walking to and from swimming listening to three or four episodes in one go right (laughs) and that's been like that's affected our real lives and our show like listening to what they have to say um, and it all goes back and goes for, like, I feel like we've been given so many, many things on a personal level, uh, by all the people who've worked on the show. Um, hopefully we've given them stuff, uh, on a personal level too. I think that from the feedback I've heard from various different cast members or, or get cuttings guests that they've had positive experiences. And... I think, I think everybody enjoyed working on the show, um, I I hope that that's not assuming anybody's position, but definitely based on the feedback that we have had and the fact that uh, we experienced the days that they did and everybody seemed to be enjoyed, like, the, you know, it was a shared experience recording the things. Right. As I think everybody did get a lot out of it, which is really good and makes me really happy to think about that. Yeah, sometimes it's just as simple as the fact that we gave them props that made them happy. I think uh, Giselle, who plays Violeta, enjoyed having a tail and uh, ears uh, for her scene in this season. There were a fox tail and a fo- and fox uh, yeah. ears. But P- it- playing cat. Playing cat. <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, Cass uh, Darley, who was... Ellie, which is a very small part, but very pivotal part, uh, had a nun's habit, which she kept on for maybe two seconds or something in the actual scene. It came off very quickly. It's funny as well. I mean, yes, because not only was the habit hardly involved, but it was really important, but also her part was a lot bigger than it seemed because she did such a lot of work on that performance that it echoed. And whenever you think about, whenever you hear Beach after that, you... She's put Ellie in there. Yeah. And every time Ellie's discussed, that's all that work that she did on that episode. She comes it's back. It's actually a lot. She's like, she makes herself present. That's right. Throughout the rest of it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when all of them do. Mm. Like, that's the thing. Even when we couldn't have Bisha back to play mm. Shahjan, hopefully every time we said Shahjan, yeah. because we'd met her, that echoed. Same with Jocelyn, hopefully, because we couldn't get Cameron back. I mean, that's the thing, like, everything echoes is really what the show kind of wanted to be and is. Like, it's just kind of... Everything echoes is kind of a good sentence to sum up the family tree, really. It sounds like a cross between a Khaled Hosseini and a um, John McGregor title. <laughs> well, that makes it very uh, apt for you, because you, <laughs> you're into both of those writers. I mean, that's the thing. There's so many different influences on this show, like that have come from so many different way, so many different places. The performers have come from different areas of the arts as well. Like there's p- people from very different disciplines all coming together and making this this piece. Mm. And that's been one of the you know it's been exciting meeting some of the performers as well. I mean, that's one thing that was sad about moving away from London when we did. Like we just met all these brilliant people. <laughs> <laughs> We're not, you know, we're not able. To we're not able to kind of see them regularly and, yeah. and become closer friends, or or yeah. even with some of them, kind of initial friends, because 
with the people we've been working with since season one, I think they're all friends, but people who came kind of late, later in the process uh, are, are still in the acquaintance with the wish to make them friends yeah. uh, stage. But, I mean, it's still been exciting. And, again, amazing. Like, it was amazing that uh, Travis Alabanza said yes to performing in the show. Uh, their performance, again, was only a brief performance. Uh, like, it's... It, but it was so exciting to work with them. Although we put them in a position where they're really late in the series, so we can't really use them to promote the show that much. Uh, And, you know... Uh, That's one thing I would like to do differently, but I don't know how to do it. I'd like to be a better self-promoter. I wish we could have done better at getting people to... Actually, that's actually the biggest thing that I think would have been better for the show (laughs) is if either of us were in any way good at promoting. I mean, we wrote a lot of press releases. We've we've done interviews. Oh my god, I've done so many press releases. Like we've done interviews. We've done yeah, and we've done like uh, we've we've promoted it on social media in various different ways. Like less and less frequently, or like committedly, because. Like you can banging your head against a brick wall in terms of social media makes it like harder to carry on doing it. Um, I mean, we've you know, we've done our best, we were trending on uh Radio Public, I think, or one of those sites, one of them, yeah. Uh, the other day, that was day. quite exciting. It, I mean, I don't really know what use it did, but it, it was quite exciting, yeah. I mean, we've done our we've done our best, but ultimately, our skills are not in that. No. And we made a show that was hard for us to promote and we feel weird about promotion anyway. So those two things didn't help no. uh, us. But we did put the time in and we tried uh, to get to, to get it out to as many people. And in some ways this conversation is another attempt to do that. If we could have afforded it, it would have been nice to bring someone who knew how to do that stuff in and pay them to do that for us. Although a question I've got is, do, does anyone really know? Well, I people mean, manage to do it. People believe they know, and in a way, that belief is part of the mm. the ability to do it. Like it's like performing in a, in an episode of The Family Tree. You just have to believe in it, and that will bring people along with you. Mm. And like we don't believe in pro- in the process of promotion. Maybe that's the problem. Enough, maybe or like. We don't know how to talk in a language that kind of connects with... I've got no real interest I don't know. in that. That's the problem as well. Like, I don't, I don't really want to spend loads of time doing the business side of it. I know, but that's the know, thing. Know, it's like, know, if we don't... I don't want to spend loads of time doing DIY, but if you don't do a bit of DIY, your house falls down. And we it? did try and so, talk to some people to get them to do the promotion for us, but it's actually very hard to find someone who... Will work. Oh, we, well, we, and we certainly found a sort of advice and like tried to learn how to do the things that they told us to do, but we just didn't care enough, I guess. And I mean, unless you're paying someone to do PR, and even then, be very cautious because a lot of people will take your money and not do any work. Nobody does it as a passion in the same way. I don't know. Maybe they do, but it's the holy grail. Everyone's looking for someone who's passionate about admin, passionate about PR. Mm. Uh, for the rest of us, we just have to grit our teeth and do what what needs to be done to get the work done and there's so much to what we've been doing like as much as we both would do it like would love to have done that stuff well 
I think it's unfair of ourselves to expect ourselves to be able to do we've done so, such so a range things. of things yeah, when yeah. we've done so we've many things already. We've already kind of outdone what we would have expected of ourselves. Yeah, because there's loads of admin that we did do well yeah. that's involving and in, in organising. And other skills that we didn't know we had or that we had to learn to... I mean, especially for me, the only thing that I'd had any experience of, of all the things that we had to do before, was writing. <laughs> Everything yeah. else was an entirely new book. It's like the least thing. I mean, we do do that sometimes, and you've done most of the writing when it's happened. Like, you wrote Mark's letters, and you wrote uh, kind of newspaper clips and stuff like this. Reverend Beach's letters. Le- Reverend Beach's website. letters for the website. Uh, you collaborated on writing the Nathan and Nigel and Ben Twitter feeds, which were very useful oh, that was a lot. for the process of season two. I'm not sure that they got us very many more. No, uh, they, they didn't. But they were a lot of fun. <laughs> so yeah, even though we would do that differently, I think we shouldn't be too hard on ourselves about it. I mean, the reason we'd love to have done it well is because we want more people to f- discover this. Show. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's all there now. It's all binge listenable, as I keep saying. You can listen to it in your own speed. You can kind of... There's a lot of episodes because there's a lot of episodes. So there's lots to listen to and enjoy. And it's exciting when you're at the start of a whole thing that exists. Like we've recently watched uh, Avatar The Last Airbender and it was exciting that there were three seasons of that and that we could kind of really immerse ourselves in that world. And so you folk have got that opportunity. Uh, to to do that, uh, and look, I'm kind of excited when for anybody who hasn't listened to the Family Tree now, like because they have so much to 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 come up to experience uh, during the process. Um, I'm jealous of people who are coming to it without any knowledge at the beginning. I'm looking forward to listening to it and trying to imagine being in that position and see what it does sound like. The whole story. I mean, obviously, we do know what happens, so we can't fully do that, but. But to hear it, as a listener would hear it. Yeah, I mean, that's the saddest thing about creating something. You can never fully know what it's like to not know the things you know about it. You can never know exactly what it's like for a new reader, a fresh listener. But if you are listening to this and you do listen to the show, reach out to us and let us know what you thought and then we can live vicariously uh, (laughs) through your experience. Uh, and uh, thanks for listening Um, I don't have anything else to add uh, to this thoughts on this season Um, I don't either well that's a very uh, yeah I'm I'm, you know ever the dramatist right I'm looking for the nice kind of like closing how do you say goodbye (laughs) (laughs) what makes a good ending yeah. Who knows? <laughs> I mean, really, how do you say goodbye? <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye. <laughs> As I said at the beginning of this episode, Getting Bear Acquainted is still on hiatus. I'm not sure if that will be an indefinite one or if the show will return in some form in the future. It's definitely not coming back now because I have a new podcast project that I'm going to be working on about my relationship with my dad and his relationship with dementia, which will hopefully be coming out at some point in 2020.
20. And when that does happen, I'll be putting that podcast out on this feed. So there'll definitely be new material in the future for people subscribed to Getting Better Acquainted. And of course, if you have just stumbled across Getting Better Acquainted, you should know that there are 350 episodes of the show, not including Getting Better Acquainted extras like this one, live episodes of the show, and Getting Better Acquainted replayed, where I took old episodes and replayed them, often with some re-edits and some reflection from me on the distance between the me that recorded those episodes and the me that was replaying them. The archive stretches back to 2011. Getting Better Acquainted can be found wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to find me on Twitter and find out what's going on with all of my different podcasts and projects, you can follow me at goosefat101 and the family tree podcast like getting better acquainted is also available on itunes spotify and everywhere else that you can find podcasts it's on twitter at family tree pod on instagram at the family tree podcast on facebook at the family tree and if you want to email us about the show we'd be fascinated in hearing how you found the experience of listening to the family tree the email address is thefamilytreepodcast at gmail.com. And the place that we collect together the information about the show and all of the episodes online is thefamilytreepodcast.co.uk. As mentioned in today's conversation, there will be a Christmas special coming out just after Christmas, which is a final ending slash epilogue slash coda for the show. And because there's a Christmas special coming out, you have one more opportunity to help the family tree to grow by becoming a patron and helping to fund the show. That soundbite doesn't fully fit, I guess, now, in that the family tree is kind of fully grown, but your money and support will retroactively go towards paying some of the costs for the show so it is still really worth doing we've almost broken even on the family tree but not quite and you could help us to do that by signing up to our patreon campaign and there'll only be one charge on your account so when you sign up sign up to an amount that you're comfortable with having as a one-off payment to the family tree and because this episode is actually technically an episode of Getting Better Acquainted, I should really sign off in the Getting Better Acquainted style. So, it falls to me to remind you one more time that there are lots of ways to get better acquainted.